It's time for the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev. Let's get to it. Live once again in the city of brotherly love, none other than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, broadcasting from and hanging out in the WWDB 860 AM studios. Yes, you heard right. You tuned yourself in to another episode of the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev. Good evening, Philadelphia, Bucks County, Montgomery County, Delco, and Southwest New Jersey. But folks, we ain't stopping there. We are entering eardrums anywhere that you got access to the internet. Stream us live every Friday on WWDBAM.com at 6 p.m. EST. Well, we're glad to be here. I'm glad to be back. I almost forgot my darn intro there for a second. I was like, all right, been a little bit since I'm in the studio. Great to be back with Scott throwing it down. By the way, my name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Ev, and I'm a professional speaker in the youth mental health space. And what's going on, everyone? My name is Scott Prendergast, a.k.a. Scotty P., and I'm a professional inspirational speaker who helps others navigate life through the lens of hope. Yeah, we are in, like, a uh, busy time of the year. And so, like, <laughs> Scott's going one week, I'm going the next, uh, but we should be good here for the next couple of weeks, and we we'll have some, some yeah. yeah guests coming back on. It's, it's always fun to be in the studio. It's a great thing to do on a Friday night. Uh, just have a good time, right? So Absolutely. tonight is an important topic, kind of, in, in a sense, almost going back to our roots. And what I mean by that is our first episodes were some fundamentals, some basics, some things that need to be covered. And I think that's where we're at tonight. So Scott came up with this idea, like we got to talk about uh, dealing with this stuff in silence, stigma around that. And then I was like, oh my God, this is perfect, especially because there's this whole thing and wave, I should say, of people who actually in the past year or two, because of the pandemic and because of the mental health movements, actually have come out and started talking about this. And then they are not met so positively all the time. Mm. So that is just, uh, man, it, it's sad when that happens. But we'll talk yeah. about those experiences and how to deal with them when they come. But um, Scott, I don't know if you want to start us off, get it rolling here. Yeah, absolutely. So we really love this topic today because something that Ev and I have both seen a lot with different people we're speaking with in different groups is that now, because as Ev said, with the whole pandemic, mental health is something people are willing to talk about, which is great. We've come so far in such a short time to get people to talk about it and know that it's okay to do so but now the backside to that is people will be opening up they're talking about it and then it's being met with a lot of kind of abrasive feedback and it's being met with a lot of get over it i don't want to hear about that and then when you hear that type of thing as a person who's been struggling with your mental health what's it going to make you do it's going to make you want to retreat back into your shell and it's, get, it's setting the standard that you are going to think, oh, wow, I guess I can't talk about it now because when I try to talk to this person who's close to me, they shut me out or they said, oh, I don't want to hear that or whatever the negative negativity might be. So a lot of times we find that you know, people are getting to the point where they're ready to talk about it. They do it and then they fall back even further than they were before because now me and ever talking about this before. It's like your worst nightmare came true, right? Oh, you know, what if I, if I talk to someone, what if they tell me I'm stupid or tell me to shut up or, or tell me get over it? Oh, you know, but I doubt it's going to happen. I'm going to do it anyways. Then you do it. And then it happens. Yeah. And so now you're even further down in that hole, which is obviously where we don't want to be. So we're going to talk about even more a little bit later in the show, too. So why people feel that silence and, and the negative sides that come with staying in silence with the stigma as well. It's kind of um, it's ridiculous looking back because things have changed a lot and your perspective as an adult is a lot different than when you're a kid. But it's almost unbelievable to me how long I didn't talk about this stuff. And it's that's why I mean, it's. Yeah. Mental health 101 is like, all right, before we talk about the conditions, the coping strategies, anything like that, 
we got to talk about this to figure out even what we're dealing with. Um, and I think and this is probably more appropriate for the second part, but I know that this is going to be a huge free flow tonight, I feel like, with this topic. Oh, yeah. um, one issue is just simply for talking about it that I always encourage like with students and stuff is we got to figure out what we're dealing with because some people are confusing a lot of stress with generalized anxiety. Mm. Other people are saying, oh, I'm having a panic attack when really it's generalized anxiety or right. vice versa. You know, they don't even realize they're having a panic attack. Um, I've seen this too in especially the functional space. I've seen people that have like legitimate asthma that think that they're having panic attacks and, you know, it's like untreated asthma or again, vice versa. It's just right. terrible. So what we need to do because there's over a hundred conditions out there in the DSM that could be diagnosed with mental health issues or uh, as mental health issues, we need to ask for help and talk about this to figure out what we're working with. I mean, it's mm. one thing to suffer in silence with a diagnosis. It's another thing to suffer in silence and think you know what that uh, what you had. Um, I don't think I've ever mentioned it on this show, but I talk about it in my speeches and I, I try to make it as funny as it can be. I was like 14, 15 years old. And remember, this is on the topic of suffering in silence. So I did the only thing that I thought I could do when I felt something was off, like something extra was off. Mm-hmm. I go online. I'm sure none of you guys have ever done this with WebMD, the symptom check or whatever. <laughs> oh, absolutely <laughs> never. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> um, I go online. I just typed in mental health tests. Mm-hmm. And I get three results from this test. And the first two sound good. One says anxiety. Okay, yeah, that, looking back, that's correct. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Number two is depression. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three. Antisocial personality disorder, which for those that don't know, psychopathy falls under that, like psychopaths. So, yeah, I learned that wasn't true eventually. The tests were really good until that came up. And, you know, I'm not making light of this. It's not literally funny because, guys, the honest to God truth is as a 15-year-old that read that, that was really confused about what he was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Did I really believe that? It's hard to say yes. But as my days got worse, did I start questioning that and ruminating on that more and more? Um honestly yeah like i was just like wow maybe this is happening to me now of course i didn't understand the irony of the fact that i was so concerned about being a psychopath because psychopaths don't give a crap about being psychopaths right but i I was pretty upset about it so uh yeah suffered in silence just leads to a whole slew of problems did you ever do anything like that you know how to lie to try to figure this out play doctor oh yeah well in the (laughs) second part when we do more of the story i'm gonna definitely talk about that but one of the things that i want to talk about as well and this goes off of what you were just saying here is we've got to really learn to identify what's actually going on here and so we can pinpoint it so we can choose the proper way to handle it and cope with it in a way that's healthy for us um i one of the things i talk about a lot is recognizing the difference in this case between sadness and depression you know we have to know they're two different things but think about it especially for the young mind the developing mind let's say they're going about and their mom and dad comes home and dad comes home and says oh i'm so depressed today because i you know I, my boss yelled at me or mom comes home and say oh i'm so depressed because there was a lot of traffic you know the young developing mind is going to hear that thinking, oh, wow, wait a minute. So every time there's something that goes wrong that's not exactly according to plan, that means it's depression, right? And that's obviously not the case. That's called just maybe being frustrated or sad or having a down day. So one of the big differences between the two that we want to look at and make sure that we really nail into our head to understand is that when we're talking about depression, it's a cluster of symptoms, usually three to five. And you can now that's something you can look up because I'm not going to talk about all the symptoms right now because it may take a while. But if we're seeing that cluster of three to five symptoms, consistently for two or three weeks in a row every single day that's where we're starting to see that it might be depression those feelings of worthlessness the loss of interest and the inability to get out of bed the feeling hopelessness that eating not much not eating much whatever it might be those are just a few symptoms you're seeing that consistency for two or three weeks then we're looking at depression whereas if it's just let's say you have two or maybe even three or four days where you're just not feeling so great you're just feeling sad maybe you got out of a relationship maybe something bad's going on in your life 
it's important to note that that doesn't mean it's depression. It can turn into that, yes, but we want to make sure that we're identifying it correctly before we go and try to, you know, like Ev said, go on WebMD saying, oh my goodness, now I have this, I have that, and whatnot. And, um, you know, obviously that leads to a lot of other things as well. Sure, well said. And I think another issue with the suffering and silencing, I mean, we could probably go on for a whole hour about that. But I think, I, I wish I had data on this. I think... I have to believe, too, that suffering in silence is probably directly correlated with more suicide attempts and suicide completions. I would assume it's um, correlated with more drug overdoses. And I know, like, for myself, and probably for you as well, when you're suffering in silence, you're in that phase, you're living in your own world. And so you start to make plans in your own world that don't, it's like almost like it doesn't involve anyone else, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing, it's Evan against Evan doing these drugs. It's Evan against Evan fighting these suicidal ideations and stuff like that, right? Right. And I, I don't know what happens, but it's almost like once you get someone else involved, whether it's a counselor or whatever, now those thoughts aren't just a battle between you in your like state of, uh, let's call it what it is. It's a, it's a illness at the time, right? It's mental illness. And that's not a bad thing. I know people are like moving away from that word. There's physical illness. There's mental illness. I don't think that's a, a bad thing to acknowledge. No, not it's all. not just you battling back and forth with someone who's not really qualified to be arguing with you right now, you know, because you're mm. not in the best state. Um, that's how I get these wrong answers on quizzes and stuff like that when I was taking them. We need a uh, a level head at the time, someone that can see this objectively, ideally even professionally, to say, hey, well, wait a second. Are those thoughts really valid right now? It kind of mm-hmm. gets it off your chest. I, I would have to imagine, and perhaps there is already data out there on this. I just think it would be hard to track to a degree. I would love to know the amount of people who attempt or complete something like suicide that never had talked about it ever mm-hmm. versus you know the amount of people that deal with depression but never actually attempt anything like that because they're actively talking about it right. um, and have those support networks. I just feel like every story that I know in my personal life at least, uh, at least so I could just be talking about anecdotes here, all of them, all of them that were serious, the drug overdoses, whatever, all came down to, wow, I never knew that person yeah. was even dealing with this stuff. That's the thing, right? And like when we're talking about when you're suffering in silence, when you're keeping these things inside, when you're ruminating on it all day long, here's what's really happening. Those thoughts that you're saying to yourself are irrational many times. Mm-hmm. But to you, because you're not talking to anyone, you're keeping it inside, they seem like they are the truest thing mm-hmm. ever. They seem like, oh my goodness, this is the truth. And when you get out of that, you're able to look back on it and say, oh, why did I think that? You're able to have a level head. But when you're in that space and it's just you and your thoughts, you believe every single one that comes into your head and what we need to learn to do is recognizing okay this thought just because it's in my head that doesn't mean it's true that doesn't mean i have to act on it and i can work on moving through this thought and kind of disassociating with it and letting it pass on through that takes time that takes effort that takes energy that takes acknowledgement Mm -hmm. and we could talk about that all we want but we have to understand that the first step to getting out of that dark place is not keeping it to ourselves because that's going to dig us a deeper hole but rather opening up finding that person that we trust whether it's an adult a friend if you are an adult it could be somebody that's your age whatever it is and talking to them and allowing these thoughts to come out and you hear them because when you hear it verbalized you might be like "Mm, okay you know what that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense (laughs) absolutely um i'll keep this short but I, i had to add on to that i think one of the things that especially when i'm talking about depression to kids 
it's like it's tough because you don't want to make them think that they're crazy because the minute that someone starts hearing I'm having quote unquote thoughts that aren't mine per se, Mm -hmm. that brings up this word of crazy. No, 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 no. If we're physically ill, it changes our biology. If we're mentally ill at the time, it changes our thoughts. Neither are crazy. It's something influencing us, Mm -hmm. right? And I think one of the scariest things, I always talk about like these stages I kind of felt I had with depression and stage two were these feelings of hopelessness. Stage three are those thoughts of um, suicide attempts. I believed those were my thoughts and that there really was no point to life. I really did have to do this because I was never going to feel better. And that came from not talking to anyone about it. Um, And so that's why this topic is so important. And hey, we're going to jump into this and a whole lot more right after these quick commercial breaks. Hey, everyone. Eric Katz here, the owner of Katz Dogs Canine. Are you working from home and need to get your dog out running around for the day? Will you be traveling this summer and looking for a place to board your pup? Is your dog looking a little shaggy and need a haircut or bath? Are you looking forward to walking around and enjoying this beautiful weather, but you can't because your dog's pulling like a freight train? Well, you're in luck. We are a one-stop shop that focuses on daycare, boarding, grooming, and training. We are located at 35 Middle Road, Percocy, PA on 10 beautiful acres. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Cats Dogs Canine or our website, catsdogscanine.com. Our phone number is 855 Cats Dog, 855 528 9364. If you're a parent who wants to understand the mental health challenges your child faces, then my book, My Perfect Life, How Depression Almost Ended It and How I Found Purpose Through Pain, is for you. Through goofy, relatable stories, you'll see the world from the eyes of someone silently battling depression. Most importantly, you'll learn how we can find hope and purpose through pain. Get your copy of My Perfect Life today. Available on Amazon by searching Lucas Wolf my perfect life and that's wolf with an e tired of talk radio shows that are nothing but trump trump and more trump looking for something that actually has some relevance to your life then tune into the pennsylvania project hi i'm ken krawchuk host of the pennsylvania project our mission is to showcase the political cultural and environmental challenges facing contemporary pennsylvania and we're all about solutions so tune in mondays 3 p.m here on wwdb 860 a.m in philadelphia When the problem is same old, same old talk radio, the correct solution is the Pennsylvania Project. Hey, folks, what's going on? It's Evan Transu, a.k.a. Ev here. I just wanted to shout out my friends at FDN Thrive. Part of my story with mental health is that I was actually able to get a hold of a lot of my mental and physical health issues by addressing what was going on in my body. So I do mean more of a natural slash functional medicine side. Is this going to be for everyone? Absolutely not. But if you're someone like me who suffered for years and maybe a lot of the conventional things didn't work out, you might want to consider what is going on in your body and see if that is playing any role. So if you want to focus on something more objective get some lab results and actually have these lab results analyzed by practitioners who are trained in this specific modality, then go to fdnthrive.com and click the get started here button. That's fdnthrive.com and click the get started here button. 
And we are back. Welcome to the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P. and Ev, where we're talking all things mental health all of the time. We're glad to be here with you guys tonight. My name is Ev, a.k.a. Evan Transu, and I'm a professional speaker in the youth mental health space. What's going on, everyone? My name is Scott Prendergast, a.k.a. Scotty P. I'm a professional inspirational speaker who helps others navigate life through the lens of hope. All right, tonight's topic, we are just going back to basics and we're talking about the stigma, silence, suffering, silence, man. Um, That's just... It's Mental Health 101, and really, for many people, it can sometimes be the hardest part of their journey. Um, I know that for a fact, as someone who dealt with this stuff for almost 13 years, and um, I'm not sure, you, I feel like you had a lot already ready. Do you want to get this started? you want me to start it off? Whatever you want, bro. Um, I got a quick one. I mean, I'm, I'm ready it. either way. So I would just say, I'll, I'm going to go back to that 13 years thing, because even during the show with you, I'm like, how did that happen? Like, what, what occurred there? Yeah. And. I always tell this story because you almost like routine when you tell the story. You know, you forget like the different components and what it actually means. Oh, yeah. We did go. We, uh, myself and my parents, we did go to a doctor when I was like five. And it's because they didn't know what panic attacks were, but I was exhibiting these symptoms that were so obviously scary. I'm freaking out. I'm like, my heart hurts. You know, like I, that's what I would always say. Like, my heart hurts. I yeah. can't breathe. And so, of course, they were like, that's not normal. So they, t- well, not supposed to be happening at least. Right. So they took me to the doctor and this guy was a well-meaning guy. But he actually said to my parents, this isn't something to worry about. Evan gets himself a little too worked up and he's going to outgrow this. And this isn't a guy that was saying that about panic attacks. It's just, guys, we've come a long way. Doctors are imperfect people as well. That was crazy to think about. That was 21 years ago when we went to that appointment. So mental health didn't have the same level of awareness that it does now. And yes, that does bleed over into doctor's offices and even counselor's offices, right? They're part of the world too. So if the world has a stigma around something or people are hiding it, yeah, they're not going to, they might see it more than you and me, but they're still going to have that same problem. And so that statement from him, man, it just stuck with me forever. Ever. I just constantly remembered like, oh, I'm going to outgrow this. I'm going to outgrow this. I'm going to outgrow this. So when that didn't come true, when that didn't manifest, mm-hmm. as especially as a kid, I kept thinking, oh, well, there must be something really wrong with Evan Transu then. If the doctor right. can't figure it out, this person that we put on a pedestal, we put these people at the highest level in life, right? They are the smartest. They usually make better money than most people, right? We just look at them as like the ultimate epitome of success. And so I just remember being so intimidated by that saying, like, oh, well, if he missed it, like, yeah, there must be something really wrong with me. And then the next time I went, it's it's crazy to think about. From five, I didn't go again until 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And that's because the panic attacks were just so I mean, it was genuine panic disorder at that point. It was happening daily, sometimes multiple times a day. That lasted for almost three and a half months. Uh, that was yeah. that was pretty bad. That was just exhausting physically, too. That's when we went. And, you know, I, I was underplaying it. I'm not really talking about it the way I should have. And that kind of brings me to the point of that story is there's suffering in silence. There's two things here. And I'm always really careful about this with kids. But some will come up and be like, oh, I talk about this stuff. I'm like, are you talking about all the stuff you just told me or just 20% of that? Mm. And what we find is like, I was willing to talk about some of the panic attack stuff at some point, like only because I really had to. Um, I underplayed it though. And I kind of act like, well, well, this is what's going on. I need to go to a doctor. But yeah, I, I left out the part about the depression, the suicidal ideations, the hopelessness, the wow, I feel like I can't get through the day without substances. Yeah, I left that part out conveniently. So right. there's almost two phases to this. There's suffering in silence completely where this person has not acknowledged at all to anyone that they're dealing with mental health and then there's like oh yeah i have anxiety and i'm not underplaying anxiety that can be very severe for some people but 
if anxiety is what you're saying you have, but you have multiple things going on and you're not sharing that, that's still suffering in silence, my friends. You right. know, that that's and I think this goes right along with society. I'm sure you would agree. It's like, okay, well, maybe anxiety is highly promoted now. So they feel yeah. like they can talk about that, but they don't feel like they can talk about their feelings of hopelessness mm-hmm. because that might not be as promoted in society. Yeah. And to make a kind of go off of what you just said there, that last part where you talk about anxiety. Now anxiety, it's almost become like a buzzword. You know, people walk down, well, I have anxiety. It's like, well, uh, yeah, you do because we all do. It's part (laughs) of being a human. Everybody has anxiety, but there's a difference between having anxiety, being anxious and having an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. This is where it's different. And I know personally being in this field, it almost drives me crazy. Like on a nuts on a scale of one to almonds, it's cashews, bro. Like when (laughs) (laughs) people... <laughs> That's how nuts it is, okay? So and it, it, it drives me nuts, like I was saying, for that because here's what happens. You have all these people that say, Oh yeah, I have anxiety and walking down the street, I feel anxious because there's like a truck right next to me. Okay, yeah, obviously. But that takes away from the legitimacy of somebody who has an actual anxiety disorder. And we need to make sure that we understand the difference between them. So I just wanted to add that part in there, but going off of the suffering and silence again here. I think so much of it has to do with our own perception because so many of us will suffer in silence because we're afraid about what people might say. We're afraid about how we'll be viewed, how we'll be looked at by other people. And this inherently, this is the problem. What we need to do is we need to learn on changing that perception and realizing, hey, you know what? People are always going to think things. I can't, you know, as far as I know, no one here has telekinesis and we can't control and know what people are thinking all the time. Although some people could be close. It depends on the day. Yeah, it does. But what we need to be able to do is we've got to work on changing our self-perception and feeling better about ourselves. If we feel better about who we are, if we feel good about the person we are on the inside, then, you know, maybe we're able to be better equipped to handle some criticism from other people if we even receive that when we start talking about our mental health. But we got to make sure that we're putting our perception in the right kind of I guess, basket, so to speak, and the right level of importance and making sure that our perception of ourselves is coming first rather than what somebody else is thinking. Because if I live my life going off of what someone else thinks about me, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to get the help that I need. And I'm never really going to accomplish anything because I'm going to be too afraid to make a move in any aspect of life. So I think that is one of the biggest things, especially with the younger generation, with young adults and teenagers, is the reason if you were to ask them why they don't tell anybody is because because they're afraid about what they will be viewed as. And we need to change that. And then ultimately, that means that our view of people who do talk about it might be a little bit off too. So maybe we need to do a little internal work to understanding that it's okay and have more empathy for people that do talk about these things instead of just boom, bag it, tag it, bag it, tag it. You know, we got to work on still just understanding there's more to every story than what we know. I like that you brought up that that's probably the major reason people don't talk about it because it's almost it's not always so simple. You know, like there could be a variety of reasons like they might want to they might know for a fact and unfortunately it might be true that like someone is directly going to judge them for this. You know, it might be the thought of someone going to judge them for it, but then it turns out they talk to the person and they deal with the same stuff that they deal with. Right. Or similar, at least. Right. Uh, You never really know. And um, just to prove the point, I I didn't want to forget anything. So I like looking stuff up sometimes when I have the computer in front of me. This just goes to show how 
mixed up our definitions can be and why talking about it's so important. So yeah, not only do you have anxiety just in the normal sense, and the reference I always use in presentations is like a picture of a person about to go bungee jumping, because mm-hmm. no matter even if you like that stuff, yeah. that is a normal, healthy anxiety. There's nothing wrong with that. You should feel anxious at that time, because you're about to jump off that 400-foot platform, and your body's like, yo, man, we don't fly. Like We don't yeah. have a set of wings. That's not something that we do. <laughs> so that's a normal anxiety, right? And then there are anxiety disorders, and uh, the top five most uh, major, most common, I should say, anxiety disorders are generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and then social phobia or social anxiety disorder. Those five things are very different. And I've dealt with a couple of them. Well, I actually dealt with three technically. So like, I know that they're very different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but the problem is, I think for a lot of people, obviously they are all anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, you could feel similar things with all of these, yeah. but that's the problem. So then we're like, oh, I'm just anxious, but it's an anxiety disorder. Or it might be one specific anxiety disorder, but you're calling it something else. It's like, guys, we cannot be doing that. Um, and then I think this might be, a, well, I'll, I'll bring this up because this was a time in like fifth grade that I had, I, I thought I brought this up on the show at one point. I had that one panic attack in fifth grade. I like ran out of the hallway and stuff like that. And I remember like just thinking that, yeah, my friends, I didn't understand what I was dealing with. So yeah. how are my friends supposed to understand that? Um, and I don't know if you relate to that at all. Do you sometimes wonder like maybe, and maybe it was for you. It's not even necessarily a judgment thing, but you might be so darn confused about what you're dealing with that you think that you might just confuse someone else. Because that's not necessarily the same as judgment. They just no. might be so confused that they're like, what? Like, is this real? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wonder if that's not the case for some people because I know panic attacks especially, they confuse the heck out of me. I did not understand how I could feel like I was going to die for 20 minutes randomly. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is true. And that's why it's so important for us to be able to work on identifying this stuff so we know what's going on. Because think about it. If somebody has no access to the internet or something, and let's say that somebody has no idea about what a panic attack is. They've never heard of it before. If you are having one of those, you would think you're dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. You would think, okay, I am actually dying right now because that's how it feels. So I really think so many of the issues that we see just come from the lack of education about knowing about some of these things. And when people don't know about something, they judge. And when people judge about something, other people fear that judgment because they fear that the people that are judging them have some type of power over them in some type of way. Okay. And that's really what's coming down to. And we, we want to work away from that. So what is the antidote? What is the answer to that? More education on these types of things so that we can understand it's a normal thing. I don't know where this concept and when it came in that we were all supposed to be perfect all the time. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where that came in. I don't know who came up with that, but I can tell you whoever it did was a clown. I can tell you <laughs> that. So I, I really think that we need to understand that part of being a human is dealing with your mental health and that some of us are going to have more difficulties with it than others. That doesn't mean someone's better than you. That doesn't mean somebody's worse. It just means that the way that brain is wired in that person's life is just a little bit different. And we need to work on having more empathy with that because like Ev was saying, going back to his fifth grade story there, if you're going through this stuff and, and you have no idea what it is and then no, someone else has no idea what it is, they're just going to that's going to create a lot of space to make false assumptions. And anytime we're assuming things, that's that's it's something we want to try to stay away from. So ultimately, the more education that we can find for ourselves about our mental health, not only what we're dealing with, but maybe with people that we know in our lives are dealing with, it's going to be beneficial for all of us in such a variety of different ways. Uh, I know we all got to work on that. We really do. Yeah. Was there ever a time where like you did talk about this with someone just to be real for people because we want to give realistic oh, expectations. Uh, maybe you did talk to someone and it just did not go the way that you thought it would like it wasn't a good thing 
That's a great question. I don't know if I've ever brought it up on the show or not, but I, I do remember a few times there were some people, you know, I was a big athlete growing up, loved sports and all that. In that space, though, mental health is not something that's talked about too much. And we're working on that. We're getting better. Athletes are starting to talk about it. Like, it's becoming better. But th- there was a lot of times where that just was not the case. And I remember playing sports as a kid and, you know, coaches sometimes not understanding why this kid's all worked up. Just get it together. But I remember as far as talking to people and specifically, um, there have been people in my lives, usually friends, not my family. My family has always been fantastic and super welcoming and super open with this stuff. And the reason I'm in this field is because they've welcomed that so well. So my family has always been great, thankfully for me. But I've had some friends over the years that when you would talk about this stuff, they, they just would be like, oh, get over it. What's the big deal? Like, that's so stupid. Like, no one deals with that. You're just being mm. soft. You're being weak. And especially as a man, I, I do remember hearing about that in the high school years sometimes. But For me, it was always something like, you know what? I know that person, they probably are feeling the same way. They just don't want to admit it. And they want to try to put themselves up on a pedestal like they're not feeling it, even though they are. And I think when I reminded myself of that a lot of times, it would help sometimes with me. But I did deal with that. um, And I'm just thankful that it's something that I didn't let control me. And I realized the importance of talking about it would definitely supersede the negative comments from something someone would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm asking myself the same question in my head, you know, and it's like, I really, I don't think, no, I know I have never had someone directly outwardly judge me or reject me for it. So that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. That's That's a wonderful thing. But the problem is there is a ton of confusion sometimes and like people, and they're doing their best, man. They really are. Like they'll try to respond to you in a way that they think is appropriate or like, oh yeah, you know, I get that. I get that. It's like this. And it's like, well, it's not really like that at all, you know, Um, (laughs) except like completely not. Uh, The one thing with my dad and my dad's a wonderful guy. He just this isn't something that he's dealt with. And I, I specifically remember, I mean, I was on house arrest at the time, man. I'm in the midst of all this stuff. And so you'd think I'd be like the most believable at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember like thinking about like, oh, maybe I have depression. Maybe I have depression. And I brought this up like to my parents at one point. And my dad, so genuinely, well, again, not being rude or dismissive. He's like, well, I, I don't think you're depressed. He's like, you love going out with friends and stuff like that. Like that was his perception of depression that right. since I went out with friends, now grant you, every time I was going out with friends, I also needed drugs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that that was really just an excuse to go out and do them, if I'm being honest. I could never, ever see my friends not high. And they knew it. It wasn't, like, funny. Like, it was kind of like a, a comment people would make to me. Like, if I made a joke to them that was, like, rude, someone would always bring it up. Like, well, at least I don't have to be high every time I go uh, out, you know? Because I'd always, every time, man, I couldn't go out and socialize with people uh, before doing that or without doing that before. Um, and so, like, he didn't. That wasn't even an accurate comment necessarily, but yeah, that's just not what depression is. People have a lot of misinterpretations about what mental health issues are. So there's a couple categories. Yes. First of all, I mean, you might talk to someone and they just straight up reject it. And if that's the case, man, I'm not a, a, someone who suggests like burning bridges. I did that before and it worked really poorly, (laughs) you know, like it never goes well, but I would very much suggest like crossing them less often, (laughs) you know, like if someone's going to treat like that, like to me, that's not a friend. Um, if a family member treats me like that, that's not a real family member. So thankfully I haven't had much of that, but I I do think one of the things that holds a lot of people back is they're like, well, a lot of people aren't going to understand this. Now, that is a real thing. If you talk to a hundred random people about mental health on the street or your mental health specifically, Yes, a lot of people actually in that group are not going to understand it. And one of the things I always reference in talking with kids is uh, someone who has an advertisement on this show, my aunt Corinne that passed away, you know, she diagnosed uh, diagnosed with cancer several years back. I don't understand cancer. I've never dealt with that. How the heck could I understand what it's like to go through all of that stuff with cancer? Now, does that mean she shouldn't tell people? 
And everyone's like, well, well, of course not. That's stupid. Okay, then why do we do it with mental health? There's a lot of things, especially in the world of medical stuff, that we don't understand that we still talk to people about, right? <laughs> yeah, that, it really is true. And we've come a long way with that mentality, but it's just I don't understand why people think it's a weakness. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. You know, it's not. And you could call me out on that if somebody if you want to and say, well, here's what it is, Scott. Well, fine. Do you, dog. You do your thing. But I don't think it's a weakness because I think it takes more strength to be able to identify when you're struggling and seek out and reach out help for it. Because when you're doing that, you admit that you don't have it all together. You admit that you're not perfect as we all are not, right? And so I I think that this stigma is something that people are scared of because they don't fully understand it. Just like what people didn't fully understand cancer back in the day. And so it was always the the big C. I know my parents used to tell me when they were kids, they would hear people say the big C. Hmm. No one wanted to say the word cancer. So nowadays it's kind of the same thing where it's like, oh, you know, did you hear so-and-so has depression? Oh, wait, they have what? They had depression. They got depression. You know, it's always whispered in your house. (laughs) Exactly. And it it really is just, it's unnecessary. Mm And it's un, it's uncalled for. It really is because I guarantee you, I don't know this per se, but some of the most successful people in the world, I'm sure they've dealt with different things like this. I'm sure some of them right now, and we're starting to see that. We're seeing famous people, celebrities come out and say, I have depression, I have anxiety, I got whatever it might be. You know, sometimes that's not always, you know, we could go on about the celebrities and they're doing their thing because I don't always think it's super genuine, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. But the point is you can live a normal, healthy, perfectly great functioning life and still be dealing with a mental health issue. There's nothing to be ashamed of in it. And it's something that I think we need to understand that it takes that strength to realize that you need some help. And that is an amazing thing as opposed to just keeping it inside all the time. I think that's a great point to kind of uh, finish up this section on the weakness thing because I I didn't even think about that. But that's another thing, especially as males. Um, And, you know, I'm someone who tries to do a lot better now balancing the masculine and the feminine, but I've always leaned more towards that energy for sure you know and that's a great thing in certain senses but it's really bad in certain senses you need balance in your life and so yeah it was like this thing of like okay men can't show any weakness now that's the universal thing with overly masculine energy and then I contributed this oh this is a weakness and the irony of that is it's extraordinarily tough and courageous and I'll toot my own horn with it I'll toot your horn with it to talk about your mental health publicly, man, or to talk about any of your problems yeah. in life publicly. It's like, so don't tell me having it's the weakness. It's like, no, not at all. In fact, if you're willing to deal with this stuff and then share it publicly, it, it doesn't, guys, you don't have to get on the radio show or public speak. No one's <laughs> suggesting that. Right. But like, just to have the courage to tell your friends or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse or, or whoever, that's one of the toughest things I've ever done in my life. And I've been through some stuff, man. That's one of the toughest things I've ever done. And then I would say, on, on to kind of finish that up, not only is it not a weakness, I actually think it makes people a lot tougher. Now, I'm not saying I'd wish it upon people, but there's just certain things, man, that I, I look at, um, especially our generation, because mental health aside, no, there is a softness sometimes that happens with our generation. Oh, yeah. That's completely true, but separate from mental health. And it's like, Certain things that people just can't do is, like, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. That's too hard. I'm like, dude, like to me, it's like I don't even think twice because childhood, I don't mean to be dramatic, but in a way, mental wise, like it sucked. It was awful. So now to me, like certain stuff's just easy, right? That That's actually quite hard. So, yeah. no, if anything, it makes you tougher. And talking about it is one of the hardest things that we could ever do. So don't tell me it makes you weak. I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, and to finish up this part here, mm-hmm. I think when you talk about these things, 
it helps you become more comfortable with communicating Hmm. and communicating is such an essential part of life whether you're in a relationship whether you're talking about your family friends if we don't communicate things how's anything going to get done if you think the air traffic control people aren't communicating what do you think would happen all those planes would be crashing into each other it'd be chaos on the runway no one you'd be sitting there for 12 hours right no they're communicating so in anything in life we have to make sure that we're communicating in order to solve an issue or solve a problem if we're not communicating there's not going to be any solutions that are going to be presented or found out right you're not going to have a solution and keep it to yourself right now no you need to talk about it and mental health is the same way in order to find what works for you to work through it and manage it and cope it in a positive way you're going to need to talk to someone about that rather than just trying to figure it out and hope that you get it done at some point by your own yeah maybe you're ready to start talking about this yourself maybe you've even been rejected before when you've talked about it we will talk about how to deal with all of that stuff in our third and final part tonight right after these quick commercial breaks Find Yourself Boxes was to create the foster the connection between a person and those in life who may be working through mental health challenges by providing curated and customizable boxes filled with research-backed wellness products that promote healing. Coupling personal experience with professional mental health guidance, Find Yourself Boxes meets people where they are on their journey. Wellness doesn't look the same for every person, and these products are packaged together to touch various aspects of our wellness spectrum. Find your healing with Find Yourself Boxes at findyourselfboxes.com, and you can get 20% off your first purchase. Does the pandemic have your hair looking a little funky? Are people stopping and staring and glancing at you as you walk down the street? Folks, come on now. Hair salons, they've been open for a while. It's time to get your hair cut. You've definitely been procrastinating. (laughs) I know my producer has. And when you do it, you should head to Hair Envisions in Ottsville, PA. Hair Envisions is open Tuesday through Saturday. They specialize in coloring and also offer carotene treatments that give your hair a smooth finish. Hair Envisions offers haircuts for all ages so you can bring the whole family. Schedule your appointment today by calling 610-847-8894. Again, that is 610-847-8894. And tell them that Scotty P and Health Coach Ev sent you. If you're looking to get more TMS, ketamine, and Spravato patients, then 7-Figure Psych is for you. Beyond Marketing's flagship 7-Figure Psych business development and marketing system helps mental health professionals to attract, schedule, and convert new patients into care. Join a community of like-minded business professionals and automate your entire online presence. Visit these guys at 7figurepsych.com. That's the number 7, figurepsych.com. Guys, cancer is a word that most of us know all too well. And as is the case for so many other conditions, Western medicine is a miraculous yet incomplete form of treatment for those who are suffering. But what if there was a place in our community that helped meet the many other needs for cancer patients? Well, that's exactly what my aunt, Corinne Sikora, envisioned. And now you can help make that vision come to life. The Corinne Sikora Wellness and Support Center is designed to be a comforting space for all cancer patients across Bucks County. This center will help these individuals meet their emotional, social, physical, and lifestyle needs that are essential pieces of one's healing journey. Because of people like you, this center will be able to offer a multitude of completely free services to local patients and their families. A large vision like this needs all the support support it can get, and you can help today. Go to CorinneSikoraCenter.org and click the donate button. That is C-O-R-I-N-N-E. S-I-K-O-R-A, Corinne Sikora, center.org, and click the donate button. 
And we are back. Welcome to the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev, where we are talking all things mental health all of the time. Tonight's topic is why people suffer in silence. We're talking about our experiences with suffering in silence in part two. And then part three, one of our favorite parts, if not our favorite part, is when we give like useful strategies and situations and what people can do to deal with the given topic of the night, which of course will be how to actually talk about this stuff as well as what to do if you have talked about it and maybe you've been rejected. Mm. By the way, uh, my name's Evan Transu, a.k.a. Ev, and I am a professional speaker in the youth mental health space. And what's going on, everyone? My name is Scott Prendergast, a.k.a. Scotty P, and I'm a professional inspirational speaker who helps others navigate life through the lens of hope. Wonderful, man. So I definitely uh, got to throw it to you. You got to start this one off. So what is a situation, man, where we can maybe, maybe it's a positive experience when you finally talked for the first time or stuff that surprised you, like you talked to this friend and wow, that actually went really well and I didn't think that was going to go so well. So I'd love to hear um, some positive stuff that's happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can think of so many different examples and I think for me one of the biggest things and I'm sure everyone at home can relate to this is you build up this idea in your head like okay I'm finally ready to talk to someone and you feel good you feel confident about do it you're ready to bring it up it's going to be this big great thing and then you get ready to do it and you start thinking well what if and the good old what if start coming about to play and you know those what ifs they are strong man they can keep you in a shell for years right and so those what ifs come in all the time especially when you're ready to talk about it for the first time. Now, I hear this a lot with people I talk to. They say they're ready to talk about, but essentially those what ifs, they come in and they derail them. So to combat, combat against those what ifs and to push through that uncertainty and to find a way to talk about it, I would say one of the best things that you can possibly do is to write out real quick for yourself, okay, what if the what if happens? Now, you might be thinking, okay, Scott, I think you're kind of stupid. You just said, write out what if or the what if happens. Shouldn't I ignore the what if and do it anyways? That's one way to do it. But other times, we got to write out the whole script. We got to write out what if this happens so that we can see what that worst case scenario is. And then guess what? Say, I'm going to still do it anyways. Now, there's no fear of the unknown because now I've prepared myself. If this doesn't happen, okay, fine. But then I have myself a backup plan. I have another avenue I could take. I've got another route that I could go. So one of the things I do is when I start struggling with what ifs, whatever it is in my life, I say, okay, even if, and I change it. I go from what if, I take around that what, I put an even in there. Even if this happens, I know that I still have people I trust. I know that I still have my health. I still I still have so-and-so, I still have that. And I start making lists about things in my life that I have, even if so-and-so worst case and happens, happens, right? Now, I know this is a lot for someone to take in, but the whole idea of this is starting to get comfortable with that idea of diving through the what is and not putting up a wall and keeping yourself boxed in, but rather going through it, not knowing what's on the other side, but also knowing that even if something on that side is not what you want, you're still going to be okay. So I know for me, that's something I work on every single day. Now for you, I hope you try that at home. Next time your what if comes about, say, okay, take out the what even if this happens, blah, 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 going to write it down. I'm going to still do it anyways because I still have these other things in my life to hold on to. And that's important to do. It's a good life skill in general. And it's like kind of, I don't write it down admittedly, but I found myself doing that more and more where I just think about like the worst case scenario. And first of all, you realize the worst case scenario usually is not even that bad. Exactly. Like, um, and I hate to be so cliche because this is a quote that gets like thrown around on Twitter or Instagram, whatever, um, about like, hey, you've survived 100% of your worst days and you're still here. But 
Okay, let's take the cliche quote away for a second. You've survived 100% of your worst days, and you are still here. And it's like, it's really ridiculous thinking back. It's like somehow you always get through it. Um, The bills get paid. You know, the relationships get figured out. The friendship gets repaired, or you get a new friendship. The the family stuff can be restored. Um, All these amazing things get figured out and can happen. My my chair sunk. You know, we're we're literally due (laughs) once a show. Yeah, someone's sinking on the chair. It's so funny. Um, You get a little too comfortable here. But... uh, Yeah, it's just, it's a good point is what I'm trying to say. And so with my stuff and talking about it, like I said, I've been really fortunate. I've had a lot of positive experiences. Now I have to say too, and this is not something we want to promote in society at all, but I have to also be clear here. I think one of the reasons I was well received when I finally talked about it, like almost universally, Mm -hmm. is because so much crap had happened in my life i mean you can't fake the getting kicked out of school getting arrested spending your 18th birthday in house arrest all that kind of stuff right like people know objectively something's wrong it's like this is not good right now you know what i mean and so i think they were a little more receptive to that so what i'm going to call out is encouraging the people that are listening that might not necessarily deal with mental health issues themselves to be more receptive if someone comes to you with it, don't make them have to get into a crisis. And I'm not saying anyone made me have to do this. I'm saying don't make someone in your life have to get into a crisis situation or you know attempt to take their own life or something like that before you finally start believing them, right? We need to believe it at face value. Um, my God, stop with the comments about like attention-seeking behavior or whatever. It's just like, again, with the cancer thing, we would not say cancer is attention-seeking behavior. And by the way, just so you know, humans are wired to seek attention. We love attention. It's called social media, right? We all love this. So stop trying to act like it doesn't apply to you. It applies to me. It applies to Scott. We all love it. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Healthy doses of that are fine. It's actually really good for our psyche to get these healthy doses of attention from people that we like or friends. So even if it was for attention, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's also not true. So let's stop with that. Um, I'm kind of going off on a few things. I'll finish with this thing, I promise. But that, yeah, I mean, feel free to do your thing for like 10 minutes after I'm done finding. I'm, <laughs> all, I'm on a roll tonight, man. I'm making up for a few weeks lost. <laughs> the one thing I was going to say is because I know that this audience is definitely older. <clears throat> and for the parents out there, the number one question, if maybe number two, but I would say it's number one question I get in schools with kids. So remember this context. There is a kid in an assembly. And they have to have the courage to go and talk up or talk to a speaker who just came in their school. Remember how intimidating that is? That's a very scary thing for a kid. You know what I mean? And the number one thing that they're saying to me, especially in the last year or two, is, hey, Ev, that, that was great and all. I really appreciate you talking to me about like talking about it. Um, I did talk about it, though. I, I went home and talked to my mom and dad, and they don't believe me or they don't believe in depression or they yeah. don't really get what I'm dealing with. Now, if you think your kid was faking it or not, or you don't believe it, whatever, that's fine, right? you really think they're coming up to me and also faking it and talking to me about that problem because they're like lying about it? It's like, guys, no, it's it, just because you might not understand something. That's fu- It's cool if you don't understand. It is not okay to completely dismiss someone's experience if they're coming with you and trying to say this stuff. So whether you're an adult, a parent, a, kid, a young person, listen to this, it doesn't really matter to me. Until someone gives you a real clear reason not to believe it or for whatever reason that might happen, and it really shouldn't, don't dismiss it. If someone comes and says this to you, like, would you, are you going to check their uh, scans and their x-rays if they tell you they have a tumor, right? No, you believe them, right? It's just a face value type of thing, man. We got to apply that same stuff to, to mental health, I think. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we really do. We 100% do. It's super important. Sorry, my micro. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here. Microphone's sounding a little weird. 
Uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to speak into Evans. We're sharing a microphone. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that, everybody. But yeah, it, it's so true what Evan just said. And I think to go off of it, it, what's important to do is as everybody, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether you're a kid, an adult, whoever it is, find your one to three, what I call what one to three go-to Gs. You know, that's a Scotty P thing that I kind of came up with because we all have those one to three people in our lives who we really trust, who we really care about. We have to make sure that we identify who those people are before we get ourselves in a situation where we're struggling. Because once we're in that difficult spot, it's very hard to figure out who that is and it's hard to get yourself out of that and to go and identify those people. So we got to make a list or or just know, make a mental list, whatever it is, of who these people are, your one to three go-to Gs as I call them, so that you know, hey, I'm struggling right now, I need to talk to these people. Because... If we don't identify people beforehand, what's to make you think that when you're in a really dark place in your life that all of a sudden, like never before, you now want to talk to someone? I mean, that doesn't really happen too much. So we got to plan for these things in the future. And I think that's a good lesson for a lot of things in life. Obviously, you never want to over plan because that can lead to a lot of anxiety and it can lead to not living in the moment, which isn't good. But we want to make sure that we're planning for this stuff. So when that day does come, which inevitably it probably will, we have in our back pocket, so to speak, those people we could talk to that are going to really help us through that difficult time. Um, and that is probably the first step that anybody could take when it comes to acknowledging your mental health is finally talking about it. Also, too, there's um, just like we shared in the part two, like some kind of negative experiences. Let's be realistic. Like it does happen. A po- super positive experience I ha- had occurred to me was only just a few years ago. And in my book, I talk about this a uh, really bad panic attack. Not that any of them are particularly fun, right? But it was a really bad one in the sense that it was the first one I had in a long time. And it was the first in the series of several months of literally not missing a day, daily panic attacks and mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of panic disorder for me. And it happened with four or five of my guy friends at the time. And a lot of them, it, with all due respect, were more like bros type of thing. So it, it just didn't feel like a group I could really talk to about this. And man, it wasn't even kind of hidden. I mean, it hit me so hard that I'm in the basement with all of them. All of a sudden, I feel like I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I sprint out of there. I'm running upstairs, screaming. Like, we're like 15, so the parents are home. I'm screaming to the mom and dad, like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I mean, it's bad, man. It's a scene, you know, to the point where the mom and the the guy that was at that, like the son of those people at the house, drove me to the hospital. I mean, it was really bad, you know, and yeah. I'm realizing as I'm I'm getting closer and closer, I'm like, oh, this is one of those things again, isn't it? You know, because mm-hmm. I'm starting to calm down a little bit. So... I never told them what it really was. They, they never knew. I mean, they could have assumed years later once I came out with the mental health stuff, right? But here's the thing. So I'm at the gas station, you know, three, four years back. This guy's in college. He would pump gas on the side while he's doing his college thing. Yeah. And we're talking about this stuff. And we, I'm public about it at this point. And we had never really had a discussion around it. And I kind of just asked him something straight up. I don't know how we got to this specific thing. But I remember asking, you know, I just didn't know that I could talk to you guys about that stuff back then. Like, I don't know what you would have thought about it. And he's, he said it brilliantly. He's like, honestly, man, I wouldn't have understood that at all if you said that, but like, I swear I would have cared. That's mm-hmm. what he said. He's like, I right. wouldn't have understood that at all, but I swear I would have cared and listened to you. He's like, I just haven't dealt with that. Like, I don't really get it, but I wouldn't have like judged you for that. And there was just such a genuineness in the way that he said that. I knew that was true. I knew that was right. And so sometimes we got to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying if you don't talk to a thousand people or even sometimes a hundred that some people aren't going to give you a hard time about yes. it. But man, those people within those that hundred that hear you out on this and understand it maybe you haven't understand it maybe or or don't understand it and care uh, that makes up for all of it you know if one little conversation like that made up for any rejection i possibly did get ever i'm just like wow 
that's so cool to know that this person would have actually cared and had my back through this uh, back then. So we really need to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm not asking people that are already suffering in silence to add one more thing to their plate. Oh, now I got to be the bigger person too. And like, you know, go and talk to all these people and accept it if they reject me. It's like, Kind of, you know, like we're responsible for our own lives. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming me or Scott, but we are responsible for our own lives and the things that happen to us. It's just, it is what it is. So you, and here's the other option. What is your other option? You're going to live for our victim the rest of your life and not talk about it. That doesn't sound good to me. Yeah, no, no way. That's not for me at all. Yeah, it's, it really is a fantastic point that you make there. And one of the other strategies that I want to give to some people right now who maybe aren't comfortable with talking about it are a few different things here. Because the fact of the matter is, is that although we talk about how talking about it's so important, and it is, some people, that is not something that you could ever conceivably see yourself doing. Or maybe the general thought of that just makes you start to feel like you're going to have a panic attack. So if that is you and you're listening right now, here are a couple things that you can do to start getting yourself familiar with the idea of opening up to someone in a certain type of way. What I think is really effective, and I tell this to a lot of people, is that if you're not comfortable talking, film yourself in your in a private room or something just by yourself. Film yourself talking in your phone about what you're feeling right now. Get familiar with that type of language. Get familiar what it feels like to verbalize how you're feeling. Now, when you do this, you're going to, whether you admit it or not, get a little bit more comfortable with the ideas that you have in your head about how you're feeling. Because chances are the reason maybe if you're someone who doesn't like to talk about it, the reason that might be is because you might not exactly know how you feel and you feel anxious that you might not be able to articulate it in a proper way. Therefore, someone's going to laugh at you, make fun of you, yada, yada, yada. That whole thing. So let's start by getting familiar by practicing a video just of us. And you may take the video and you may say, Scott, I hate watching and listening to myself. I sound like a fool. I hate it, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. You'll work through that. Just get that familiar with those feelings so that you can start the idea of maybe opening up to someone. Because that's really important. Because we have to know that everybody works differently everybody's mind's different and every road to recovery when it comes to mental health is a little bit different there are no two roads that are exactly the same some can be similar but everybody's is a little bit different so it's about finding what works best for you and it's a trial and error process it's not going to happen overnight it is a process that takes time it takes energy and it takes some failure but learning to take those failures gather them up put those pieces together to build something new and beautiful that's what we have to understand okay so don't worry if talking about it's not for you just get yourself familiar with how you're feeling so that when the time is right you'll be ready to open up to someone via text talk whatever it might be i would say if nothing else man and i've referenced this in different ways on the show before but it's something that i use to overcome fear and just do things i need to do and it might be uh, useful for you tonight you know it might be something that you are fearing you have to keep in mind, and it's not a morbid thing, but you got to keep in mind that your time here is limited. Like, we're all going to pass one day, right? Sure. And you got to just wonder, how much more time are you looking to spend here on this earth when it's so limited, hiding in silence, worrying about who's going to judge me? We Listen, I think anyone, no matter how deep in this you are, can acknowledge that, yes, there's some people out there that are not going to judge you for it, and they're going to completely accept it and get it way more than you realize. Like, they're actually going to – your your friendship might strengthen because of that when you're the first yeah. one to talk about it. I cannot tell you how many experiences I've had where people come to me now because I'm sharing this stuff publicly or whatever, and they're like, yeah, uh, by the way, I don't talk about this, but I dealt with that too, and I know I can talk to you. And I keep everything quiet, but, man – if I could show people the list of people from high school who have reached out, you have the most popular people. You have people that no one really knew. It's 
everyone and their brother has dealt with this in some way or another. So, yeah. there's, wow, that was a good rhyme, too. Um, not intended, <laughs> right? E-boogie spitting it all out here. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so just if, if nothing else, if that fear is getting you, just keep in mind, your time here is limited. Do you want to waste 13 years like I did not talking about this stuff and just add an extra stress? That, that's not a good way to spend your time here, my friend. Um, so think about that, if nothing else. Reach out to us. Reach out to the dang show. You know, yeah. um, We'll talk to now. you guys. Absolutely. And hey, listen, if it's your first time tuning in, if you don't already know, we always start with Ev and we finish with Scotty P. He's going to bring you up, leave you with some good feelings for the weekend so that you can have a great and fun time. Scotty P, take us home. Awesome. So everybody, this was a fantastic show today. I really hope that you were able to take some positives from it because what we're talking about is something that is relevant in everybody's life. And I hope everybody can understand that you don't have to suffer in that silence and there are people who care. So here's what we're going to say to wrap it up. Silence, it can be a sanctuary or silence can be a prison. You know, there are times where silence is something that allows us to clear our head, get in the right headspace, and allows us to really get in tune with our feelings and what's going on in our lives. And that is a beautiful thing. That's how silence is that sanctuary sometimes. But sometimes that silence also turns into a prison. And it turns into our own mental prison because we're dealing with all these thoughts. We're having all these things that are very intrusive in our head. And because we're not talking about it, we truly believe that they are all true and that that's our reality. And I know this may sound weird to you, but the fact is, sometimes your thoughts are not your reality. They're just thoughts, and we got to learn to separate the two. Mm. So the next time you feel overwhelmed with thoughts, or you're in a dark place with these thoughts, and they just don't seem to stop, I want you to pause. And I want you to remember that not every single thought is true, and not every single thought is a reality. Now, when you start to know that, you'll be able to start to slowly but surely identify which thoughts that you can are important that you need to focus on and which thoughts are just there to bully you, so to speak. Mm. And we're out here. We're strong people in this world. We are not about to get bullied by our own thoughts. No way. You're not. Ev's not. I'm not. So make a stand today. You know, the whole anti-bullying thing. Well, anti-bully yourself as well. You know, don't let yourself be bullied by your thoughts. Let's fight back against that. Let's say, no, I'm taking a stand today. I'm fighting back against against this thought. It's not true. Here's the evidence is not true. So I'm not going to ruminate on it. Let's work on that a little bit. And let's be confident with ourselves, knowing that we have what it takes to do the things we want in our lives. And these thoughts that come into us, they're just trying to bring us down. Okay. And we can work through it. But the best way to do that is learning to understand that it's okay to talk about these things. And as we talked about before, maybe you have a time where somebody gives you horrible feedback, puts you down, makes you feel like dirt. That's all right. Not everybody's like that. We can guarantee you that. All right. So it's about finding those other people that are going to be willing to talk about it and knowing that it's okay and that you don't have to suffer in silence. So thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it today. And folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with Scotty P and Ev, where we are talking all things mental health all of the time. Catch the replay anywhere that you listen to podcasts by searching for the Friday Mental Health Power Hour. Scotty P, where can people find you? Everybody check me out at www www.scottypinspiration.com or on Instagram at scottyp underscore inspo. And you can find me at evantransu.com or at evan underscore transu on Instagram. We are looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. Have a great and safe weekend. Thanks. 